just trying to get it all together here this morning with my mask, my glasses, my microphone, my sermon notes, my order of worship, and my coffee. So, um, good morning, saints. Um, it is a beautiful day outside, uh, something that I think is pretty needful for us uh, this morning. So, uh, we're going to continue looking today at uh, Nehemiah chapter 3, and um, this is a, one of those chapters in the Bible where you, if you first look at it, if you're looking at it right now, what you'll notice is a lot of unpronounceable names and a lot of uh, repetition and a lot of, um, well, just kind of listing of what different people did and the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, uh, which is, uh, you you may be thinking, on a day like today in Richmond, Virginia, why in the world would you talk about what somebody did to rebuild a wall in a city uh, thousands of years ago? Why well, I think it's actually right what we need to talk about this morning. And so... Uh, but I am not going to read the whole uh, chapter through all 32 verses because it is a little repetitive. But I am going to draw out about eight or nine different examples of people uh, doing stuff for the building, rebuilding of uh, the city walls and gates there in Jerusalem. And we're going to draw some conclusions and some uh, applications for this uh, to Richmond, Virginia, uh, on May 31st, 2020. So uh, in light of that, let me pray, and then I'll read the first couple of verses to, uh, to, get, uh, to get us going. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for uh, the fact that uh, we, um, well, that we can put our hope in you. Um, without Jesus Christ, without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, uh, we would be hopeless. Uh, but because uh, the tomb is empty, because the spirit is poured out and because this is our father's world, uh, we are not hopeless. We have a strong hope because we have a strong savior. Uh, at the same time, we recognize that the walls uh, are broken down and the gates are burned. And so we, uh, we need your help and we need uh, uh, the truth and we need grace, and we need energy. And so would you do that by your Holy Spirit uh, today, we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So let me just read to you the first uh, first couple of verses here to get us uh, going. Remember, uh, Nehemiah has returned to Jerusalem. He did his night ride, you know, around the, the city to, to inspect the, the walls and and the gates and all that kind of stuff. And then he went to the people and he said, look, you know, this is a shameful situation. We're we're getting derision because of the fact that our city uh, is in disrepair. And so the people say, you're right, and we need to, to rebuild. And so uh, what we read here in chapter three is how that happened and the practicality of of who was involved in that. So let me just read to you uh, the first couple of verses, and then we'll uh, we'll start uh, working our way a bit through uh, through the pa- uh, through the passage. Um, uh, uh, Nehemiah three one and two. This is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. 
Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. Now, uh, let me just say, uh, I've been, uh, I, I'm not a priest, right? Uh, but I am a religious professional, uh, and I know a lot of religious professionals, and it would be interesting to know what uh, the sheep gate looked like after a group of religious professionals who are not contractors uh, uh, built built that gate. I'm certain it was, uh, yeah, it was something. So they consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred and as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built, and next to them, Zachar, the son of Emery, built. And so this repeats over and over and over and over again, all the way through this uh, chapter, all the way around uh, the, the city of Jerusalem, where all these different kinds of people uh, uh, went out uh, in response to Nehemiah's call, and they built the wall, and they built the gates. Um, and uh, it is, uh, uh, it, it's a pretty powerful picture to us, right? Uh, Nehemiah has preached to them and says, you know, we are the people of God. Uh, there is resistance to this. But at the same time, there is a lot of reproach upon us because our city, uh, while we are going about our business, going about our day-to-day affairs, the walls and the gates around our city are ruined. Uh, it doesn't look good. And it, it says a lot about uh, about our neighborhood. It says a lot about our city, it says a lot about who we are. And maybe in some ways uh, it reflects not only upon us, but upon uh, the God that we say we worship to the, to the people that are around us, right? And so I, I don't know what, how you struggle uh, in where you live with, uh, with reproach or with the possibility of shame. I'm always concerned that uh, in my neighborhood that... Um, my grass looks good, well, sort of good, and that uh, my flowers look okay, and that kind of stuff. I'm not, I'm not a very, um, I'm not very careful sometimes about how I trim things, and so it always looks a little uneven. But uh, yeah, in general, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about that. Um, but I, I was talking with somebody this week, a dear friend, about the situation going on in America today. And uh, uh, what's happening? And he told me that he had had a conversation with his teenage daughter, and that one of the things that she talked to him about was how, uh, when she is out walking, which you know during the pandemic, what what else is there to do but go on a walk? Uh, that during uh, when she's out in a walk, that when she's with her white friend, uh, she feels secure. And when she's with her other friends, she doesn't feel secure. She feels vulnerable. And I've seen her. She walks up and down my street all the time. I see her, wave to her. It's great to see her. But I, it was a reproach to me that a child of this church would walk through my neighborhood and feel unsafe because of the color of her skin. There, that, that's a reproach. There's, there's reason there to feel a sense that something about that is not right, right? Um, and whenever I have experiences like that, and I have feelings like that, one of the things that happens to me is I get, I get, I get a deep 
as Kevin's already prayed to deliver us from temptation, I get tempted in so many ways to, to blow it off, to feel, uh, to try to blame, uh, to, um, uh, or just like, oh, it's so big and, and so complicated. Uh, I don't know what to do, right? So what, what, I, what, I, what I think is, and what I think this text is saying to us today is, um, uh, it, it drives home the point to us uh, that very often, right, we are called on in the kingdom of God to do what we are ill-equipped <laughs> or ill-suited or just clueless about to do. Because look at the people. I mean, I, I just wondered. I was laughing with Rick McWhorter this week. You know, Rick's an engineer. He knows how things are built. And his reaction when he read this text was, what did that wall look like? <laughs> what did those gates look like? All these different people building this wall, right? And so let, let's just look at them. First of all, we read to begin with, right? Eliashib, the high priest and his brothers, they built a section of the wall and they consecrated it. Of course, that's what religious people do. They consecrate everything, right? So I'm sure they built this wall and said, this is a holy wall because we priests built it. And what did it look like? Oh, you know, it looked like some walls that I would build. Like, you know, forget it. Um, I, uh, I built a, a patio all by myself last year, 12 by 12 patio. Uh, dug it out by hand, put in the gravel, packed it down, put the sand on top of it, uh, put a, 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 a pattern of my, my pavers in there and that kind of stuff. And we sit out there on that patio all the time. And my children are love the patio because it's an opportunity to say, Dad, this is, you know, this doesn't look good right here. This is a little uneven right here. This is a little, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, it looks like dad built it, doesn't it? So uh, um, the fact is, these priests are priests. They're not builders. Next, we read about this group in uh, verse 5 and then in, uh, down in verse uh, uh, 27. The Tekoites says, next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Interesting. Here's a group of people who are moved to do this, but the uh, upper crust, the uh, their nobles, wouldn't stoop, right? Wouldn't bend over to have to pick up the stones. Wouldn't bend over to have to to to, to trowel in the mortar. Wouldn't wouldn't bend over to have to pick up the lumber, right? And we read too over on uh, in verse uh, 27 that these people, the Decoites, uh they repaired another section of the wall as well, right? But their nobles, you know, they thought they, uh, well, this is the one kind of negative in this, this whole text is uh, that these guys, these nobles, decided that they, they wouldn't do it. We read in verse 8 uh, about uh, the goldsmiths. What kind of wall does a goldsmith build? What, wonder, wonder what, uh, uh, I wonder, wonder what that would have looked like. Also in verse 8, this was even better, the perfumers repaired and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. What do perfumers know about building? And then uh, a really uh, great passage, especially uh, for uh, uh, Old Testament, it says next to him on verse 12, 
uh, Shalom, the son of Halohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. He and his daughters. That's awesome. Now, we read that, of course, and we don't think anything about it. But uh, uh, in this context, the fact that this man and his daughters repaired a section of the wall is remarkable, right? Um, and then uh, lastly, we read in verses 26 and verse 32, we read about the temple servants uh, repaired a point uh, opposite the water gate. And then verse 32, we read about, uh, uh, again, where the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired another section. So here's what we have is, you know, why is it that Nehemiah doesn't come to the people and say, we are in trouble. We have this shame on us that the wall is not built. We've got to rebuild this wall. We've got to redo this gates. And so let's go out and get three bids and we'll set up a committee and we'll choose from these bids about which contractor is going to get the uh, contract and then we'll choose them, we'll raise the money, and we'll have a professional-looking wall. That is not what they do. The people themselves, whether they're builders or not, uh, take it upon themselves to do this work. Now, I'm sure, you know, Nehemiah and some of the other guys said, hey, you know, this is how you mix the, the mortar, this is, this is a little bit about how you set the stones, and this is, you know, this, this is a saw. This is a hammer, you know, uh, this is a trowel, uh, uh, this is some, some basic stuff. But the, the fact of the matter is, this work is being done by the people of God, not by the experts. Not by the people who uh, would be uh, so uh, adept and skilled. Now, there's nothing wrong with, 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 with skills. There's nothing wrong with, um, having professionals do this, do this, this kind of thing. But in this situation, it seems to me that what the Spirit of God is doing among these people is gathering all these different people with all these different sets of experiences and skills to come together. And the thing that they have in common is that none of them are builders and yet they are building. And that God is going to use them and their differences and their uh, different uh, skills and perspectives and uh, that they're from different places and all of that to do this work of getting this wall rebuilt. Um, And so I think that's a and and so what's happening here is the wall is being rebuilt as something that everybody regardless of their skill set or where they come from or what they do or what their job is, has a role to play in the work uh, that's being done. And so I think this is a picture, really, of the kingdom of God, uh, that Jesus Christ comes into the world and he draws a kingdom to himself of people who are um, uh, remarkably, Similar in the fact that they're all sinners, every single one. That every single one of them is vulnerable to death. And that every single one of them needs a savior. And that in Christ, we have that salvation. And in his gospel, we have something that unites all of us uh, and puts us to work in the rebuilding, the renewal uh, of this world. Right. And so I think there's a real picture here of uh, of, of, of the church of God, uh, 
people who are very different, people who aren't very skilled, but God is using them uh, to do uh, to do this work. Uh, but secondly, why wouldn't you just say, well, everybody agrees. We're all in agreement. We have our unity uh, around the fact that we know that the wall needs to be rebuilt and we need to to remove this this kind of this shame and this reproach that is upon us. Um, that, you know, and we'll just hand it over to uh, the professionals. Well, one of the things that we have to see about this is, and, and, and God's answer, I think, to that uh, is uniquely uh, to look at what we celebrate today, and that is Pentecost, right? The disciples have seen Jesus uh, ascend into heaven. Uh, they've seen him rise from the dead, and they're gathered together uh, in one place there on that Pentecost. And Jesus has told them to wait to do any kind of real ministry until the Holy Spirit is pulled out, poured out upon them. And here they are, that kind of ragtag group of disciples gathered together there in Jerusalem, uh, who just a few weeks before are running scared, terrified, clueless, unaware. And the Holy Spirit gets poured out upon them, and suddenly... They are these fiery evangelists preaching the gospel in such a way that people are cut to the quick. They're 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 convicted of their sin and they are so uh, shook by Peter's preaching. They say, what are we to do? And he says, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Right. These men and women that are gathered together there in Jerusalem on that Pentecost without the work of God, without the spirit of God, without this outpouring of power are ill-equipped to do the work of proclaiming the gospel and seeing the kingdom of God built. But they're precisely the kind of people that God uses Listen, um, when you think of the issues before us, culturally, societally, are so big and so complicated, and you're so small and insignificant, guess what? You are right in the stream of the kind of people that God uses to change the world. And I think there's a reason for that. And part of part of the reason for that is, um, and I've, I've used this example before. You know, when when Marty and I went and got assessed uh, to figure out how to plant a church, we got a very meh assessment. We we're like, yeah, all right, we can't tell you no, but we're not going to give you any money because we don't think you're going to be that good. But there's no glaring issue for us to tell you no. Um, and there were guys who were there, you know, they dressed the part, they looked the part, they spoke the part, who were clearly the the stars. Well, as they've studied over the last 25 years, the stars burned out. Um, and uh, the myths, the guys that were kind of, you know, average, uh, got churches planted. And there's a reason for that, I think. And the, the reason is uh, God loves a broken vessel. 
Uh, God loves uh, 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 weakness. Because when you are weak, and yet in your weakness, you look at the world and you look at the needs around you, and you are compelled by the love of God to do something about it, and yet you feel your weakness, you feel your vulnerability, you feel your cluelessness, your inability, and you turn to God to say, help me, he finds that irresistible. The disciples were, uh, had been commissioned to change the world, to go to the ends of the earth, uh, to go all over and proclaim the gospel. Uh, we look at them now as these great pillars of the church, and yet they were, uh, uh, they were people with flesh and blood and fears and sins and prejudices and failures and temptations, just like us. But God loved them. Jesus called them and the spirit empowered them. Now, let me be clear about this, that this work of building the wall here, you know, we read this and it just it just tells us how it goes. Well, I'm sure people got splinters. I'm sure people dropped rocks on their feet. I'm sure that uh, people hit their fingers with thumb or hit, hit their thumbs and, and fingers with the hammers. Uh, I'm sure uh, there was a lot of sin with lips uh, going on around this wall as as people who are not professional builders went about and build it. But the truth is, this wall was beautiful, and it was what God intended uh, for his people, and it was what he intended to, uh, uh, to get, uh, and the way he intended for this wall to get built. We live uh, in a time and in a situation and in a city where uh, our walls uh, have fallen down, uh, and our gates are burned. And as we uh, gather this morning, as the people of God uncertain about what's going to happen next, um, where will we get hope? Where will we get energy to do something? And uh, where will we look to see what some solutions are to the issues before us. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I can't tell you all the answers to that, but I can tell you what I do know to be true. And, and Kevin's already alluded to this, and that is that uh, the reality, uh, the thing that is most necessary in a situation like this, is uh, uh, a reliance upon and a turning towards and a greater confidence in the gospel, to allow the gospel to run through my heart, to challenge me, to uh, encourage me uh, that uh, I, uh, uh, as I look at the, the brokenness and the terrible things that are going on in the world, um, that God has given me his spirit. He has forgiven me and given me grace, given me a new identity, given me a new name, and given me union with all of his people, and given me a commission in the midst of a broken world to proclaim the fact that in Jesus Christ, um, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, right? Um, 
w- before things kind of blew up, uh, and uh, uh, I guess a, a couple of weeks ago, I began following uh, what was going on in Louisville, Kentucky. You may not, uh, th- this situation may have gotten overshadowed a little bit. A African-American woman uh, uh, named Brianna Taylor, an EMT, uh, was mistakenly uh, killed uh, by some police there in Louisville. And there's a church in Louisville with some, some guys there who I follow a little bit on and off. Uh, and they uh, have written about what, how they responded uh, in the midst of what was going on in Louisville. And, and I, you know, I wish, I, I wish I'd thought to kind of get this in front of you, but they, they have a list of things that they talked about, about how they address the grief and the sadness, the lament, uh, but also how the gospel empowers people in the midst of pain and in the midst of uncertainty, uh, that it gives us some clarity about how to think uh, and also, honestly, how to act uh, in the midst of a, a situation like this. And so this is, bear with me as I read this to you. I, I, I hope, hope you can bear with me. They, they said this, um, we teach our church to live in the present evil age in a manner worthy of our Christian calling, and in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They and they cite Ephesians four, right? That that we we, we read uh, this morning, to reject the wicked behavior of the world, and whenever possible, in ways consistent with the scriptures, to strive side by side with fellow believers for the hope of the gospel as a bright light in a dark world. We teach our church to imitate God and Christ's love for his people and for our neighbors as we seek to serve the people of God and as we seek to love our neighbors as ourselves. Right? That's, that's, and you read that and you think, okay, that just sounds like religious plat- platitudes to me, right? Um. But I want to challenge you, you know, maybe it is just a platitude to you this morning. Um, but have you thought about what's going on in our, our nation from the standpoint of uh, that we're being called on uh, to imitate God and Christ's love for his people and for our neighbors and, and to do what Jesus said and what Jesus demonstrated and what he did for us is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, that's going to look different for different people, just like as different people brought different experiences to the rebuilding of the wall. Uh, I'm sure the perfumers built differently from the priests. But in the end, it didn't matter because what God wanted was all of his people to be engaged in the rebuilding of the wall. They go on to say this. As pastors, we teach our church that we must submit ourselves, our pain, our despair, our anger and our aspirations for justice to God every day and resist the devil every day so that he will flee from us. And they, they cite James 4, 7 there. As we lament either injustice or delayed justice and unapologetically stand for the cause of justice and truth and the power of the spirit. And I think, too, we should lament today uh, the destruction 
the rage, both uh, uh, inside of us and outside of us, right? And they go on to say, we teach people to put on the full armor of God as we seek to take every evil captive in Jesus Christ. You know, that I, I, I'm, I'm struck by, by that today, and I uh, am reminded uh, as we think about this, and as we think about the work that God might call us to do, to see the, 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 the walls and the gates of our city rebuilt, um, is that the gospel would remind us that every single human being, young and old, born and unborn, uh, is uniquely created in his image and uniquely an object of uh, 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 the work of God in the world. And that as we think about that and as we reflect upon that, how might that move us uh, to bear witness uh, to Jesus Christ, right? Um, and that's going to look different uh, for uh, uh, for different uh, people. Um, but would you just pray uh, with uh, the rest of us here uh, in the church this week um, that where you need to repent, God would give you the gift of repentance. Uh, where you feel resistance to repentance, that God would break that resistance down. Where you feel tempted to hopelessness, that God would give you hope, not in yourself, uh, not in a political party or in a, a social program, but in actual, actually in the Holy Spirit of God through the gospel and through his people, lame, clueless, and uh, uh, maybe not uh, so uh, equipped, uh, but having the spirit of God and having the gospel to do what God uh, uh, calls us to do. Um, I think that's uh, I think that's worth uh, our time uh, and energy uh, to think uh, and to pray through uh, this week. So uh, in light of that, let's use this uh, confession of sin uh, that's printed. Uh, well, it's there in the, on, on the bulletin. Um, Let's confess our sins together. Father in heaven, we confess that in our thoughts, words, and deeds, we have sinned and grieved your Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Rather than be led by you, we have followed the spirit of our age into self-reliance and self-worship. You created us for fellowship with yourself and one another. But we rebelled and made enemies of our maker and each other. We have acted as if the cross of Christ had no power to reconcile us to God. We have lived as if there was no spirit of God convicting, sanctifying, encouraging, and helping us. Forgive us, good Lord, and give us grace that we might eagerly forsake our self-directed paths 
and keep in step with your spirit. Amen. So believers, hear these words of encouragement from Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death.